it's dangerous for an investor to underestimate the impact of technological disruption on the markets. We'll be talking about this with our next guest, David Bars. He is the CEO of XOut Capital, and he focuses primarily on investing in those companies that are technological leaders, leaders in innovation. Welcome back to the show, David. David, it's great to be here as always. Thank you again. Uh, you, you are famous on our program for, uh, for being a market bull. I mean, we don't see a lot of those these days, but uh, you're adamantly bullish on the stock market. So that's worked out pretty well so far, except we've had this little glitch uh, in the markets in the last couple of weeks, ever since the start, well, the middle of September, shall we say, this morning as well as we speak on Monday morning, the, uh, the indices are down a little bit. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, look, I think the market has a very short-term memory. And this was the same issue that occurred in the first quarter of this year, where a slight uptick in treasury yields seems to cause a deflation of everything that's innovative. And I just don't understand why the market's memory continues to forget that as companies report earnings and fundamentally show how they can continue to grow, even in what is a challenging environment, I think we can all agree that what COVID has done to the marketplace is going to take some time before it works itself back to normal, but the market seems to forget. So what's happened since the middle of September, as you picked the timeline, and today in an, an exacerbated way, is this just memory loss. And we'll see some earnings announcements that are gonna be coming out over the next few weeks, and it will smack everybody right back into place. And, and I will continue to be an optimist about well-financed growth companies and how those are the ones that you should own and leave it to a company like X out to get rid of or exclude, yep. or in our parlance, X out the companies you don't want to own. So you brought up several things now, David. I want to touch on yields first. So the 10-year yield, I'm looking at the chart right now, has risen about 20, 25 basis points since the end of August. And that has coincided with the decline of the stock market indices that we talked about. Do you think there's a correlation there? I mean, as a fund manager, aren't you concerned about rising yields? Doesn't that affect valuations at all? I mean, I don't think I was born yesterday. And I would say that if anyone, and, and there are a lot of people who you bring on your show who I disagree with, there's no one who's going to disagree with the fact that interest rates are generally going to be moving in only one direction, right? Yields are going to continue to rise. They can't get any lower, so they got to rise. So these sudden, slightly upticks in yields over these periods of time, whether it was in the first quarter, remember, where'd the tenure get to? I think 176 or something like that at its peak. That's We're right. still not back there yet. And it's shocking to me that the market acts like this is new information. There's nothing new about this. They're going to go only in one direction and everyone should be prepared for that. And I think the companies, again, that we focus on are thinking forward, not backward, and anticipate that we're gonna be back to a normalized rate environment, whatever that means in the future. So just to recap for the audience, for those people watching now who have may not seen our prior interviews, your fund takes the broad index and you X out, so to speak, you eliminate those stocks that you deem are, in your words, loser stocks. And you have a model, you have a strict set of rules that you abide by, and those rules will tell you which companies will likely underperform or outperform 
based on those rules. So you've picked out, I, I read that list, we'll show that again on the, on the screen here. You've picked out a number of stocks that you think are laggards according to your metrics. Now, you talked to me earlier about technological disruption. So in some sense, you're kind of a futurist. And when I, I like, you know, we like that about you. you. You kind of look at how the world's gonna be in the future and then you eliminate those stocks that you think are not gonna keep up with the pace of growth towards that future, right? So let me just ask you this. What do you think the future is going to look like in 10, 15 years? What do you think society, what do you think our economy is going to look like? What kind of technologies are going to use? What do companies need to do now to prepare for that vision of your future? How about this? It's going to look different. Yeah. And, and, and I'd say to you that the, the beauty is no one has a true crystal ball for how it's going to look and how we're, our behavior is going to change. And what has to happen to alter our behavior is unforeseen disruption events. So I'd posit that the pandemic that COVID-19 brought on changed our behavior. It was unforeseen. No one predicted this would have happened. But now all of a sudden, hybrid work environments are accepted. You know, when I ran my company, if someone told me they wanted to dial in for a meeting, they'd last for a week, maybe a month, but they'd be gone because they had to come into the office to work. Now, that is not the norm any longer, right? Now it's okay, right? We're seeing hybrid environments change across the globe. And even in New York City, you know, the center of finance around the globe, you're seeing companies all for different um work environments, right? Different paradigms are coming out of this. So that's a change in behavior, right? Who's to predict how long that will last? I'll tell you, it's probably a permanent change right now. And I think we will adjust ourselves. So that's one thing that people should stay focused on. How does that impact the way in which we conduct commerce on a go forward basis? And what are, who are going to be the winners and who are going to be the losers? I tell you, it's easier to figure out how to exclude the companies that are likely to get impacted by something like that on a, on a permanent or semi-permanent basis, then it will be to pick the winners. You brought up an interesting question to me offline, which is what do you think the S&P 500 is gonna look like in the future? And I thought that was a very, very good question. That very, very important thing that investors should be wondering right now. I'm looking at your fund, for example, your top fund holdings are Apple, Microsoft. We'll talk about the X out part in a bit, but your top fund holdings, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, so Google, Facebook, Visa, NVIDIA, Johnson Johnson, Walmart, and um, and other things. But most of those in the top 10 list, I, I notice, are tech companies. But like you rightly point, right pointed out before to me, you're not a tech fund. You're, you're picking the biggest companies of the S&P 500. And it just so happens to be that a lot of these things um, are tech companies. Is that the yeah. way of the future? Well, look, I mean, I think the interesting education is take that top 10 list from 10 years ago and you'd be surprised at the the names that are that were on that list that are not on that list today and i would posit to you that 10 years from now the names that are on this list today may not be there in 10 years from now i i have said many times to you that Technological disruption is impacting all companies in all industries. It's not just a technology phenomena. So those 10 companies that are currently on the list, whether it be Facebook or Tesla, which isn't on our list right now, but these are companies that could get disrupted themselves from innovation 
And no one really knows right now, but we know that the forward-facing risk that technology change has on companies is going to impact them. And so I find it fascinating to, to talk to most people and everyone focuses on history and no one's thinking about the future. And many of these companies are preparing themselves for the future. And we just don't know who the next winners, who are the next Googles and Apples and Amazons that are likely to emerge. And will those companies end up rising to the level of being top 10 companies? I don't know, but I think our job is to just figure out what not to own. And it's so much easier to do that. Those companies that used to be in the 500 largest companies club, I want to call that a little club, and they're no longer in that club. What do those companies have in common? Failure to adapt. Uh, they they have um, a a product that uh, let's let's pick on the uh, the energy, oil, and gas industry. Right, Exxon and Chevron were perennial top ten uh, S and P five hundred companies, and they're just dealing with um, a product now that that is something that's going to even though current commodity prices are saying something otherwise, the supply demand dynamic on a long-term basis is gonna neutralize itself, right? They just won't have demand for that product. What we're seeing being announced and the, the activists who are involved in Exxon trying to change them and trying to reorient the company towards making investments for the future, I just think it's too little too late. And so that's why that company is not likely to get back on, on our top 10 list again. It's hard to imagine, actually, right now as we speak. Of course, anything can happen, but it's hard to imagine Google being the next IBM in a, in a, in a, in a metaphorical sense. I mean, people have told me that it's kind of difficult to, to uh, overthrow the, the throne that these tech companies have built, the moat that they've built around themselves. If a tech company, an emerging tech company, were to disrupt the industry, so to speak, wouldn't they just get bought out? Yeah, look, I, I, I don't disagree with you. The moats are huge, but the, the risk that I think the number one risk that these companies face on a forward-looking basis is not just the disruption that comes from their own peers or potential peers, it's the regulatory environment. And we all know that um, there's a lot of change going on in leaders uh, at, in governments all across the globe and how they view the risk of the dominance of some of these megatech companies has on things beyond just the technology space, right? So we're talking about, you know, all the issues that that these companies can potentially um, engage in in terms of other economic activity, and so regulatory environment is probably the number one risk, and and we watch that uh, each and every quarter, and. Uh, if it's possible, right, that the, that could be the, dis, the disruption that people are not anticipating right now. But if you have a fund mandate of X, from, from XOUT Capital, if you have a fund mandate to invest in the large caps, won't you miss out on some of the opportunities from the mid and small caps? Those are the guys that are going to disrupt the industry. No, it's those are, you know, again, we're trying to address one of the flaws of indexing. In an index, you buy everything. So we've attacked the large cap US equity space first. We're looking and studying how to attack the mid cap space, and then subsequently how to attack the small cap space, and then move off the US border into international markets and try to attack that space because we think all of these indices are fundamentally flawed.
and it is easier to just figure out what not to own than what to own and let the winners take care of themselves. So I agree with you, small cap, mid cap is a great opportunity zone, if you will, for investing, but we're gonna do that in a separate vehicle because I think that space is ripe for disruption as well. All right, X'd out stocks, Tesla, JP Morgan, MasterCard, Procter & Gamble, Bank of America, Walt Disney, ExxonMobil, Netflix, Coca-Cola, Verizon. So we talked last quarter, you haven't changed your holdings or your X'd out stocks yet, but you will rebalance in, well, later this month, actually. The 21st of October will be your third quarter rebalancing date. What's going to change? Can you give us a teaser? <laughs> I don't know, but I can tell you, and I've, and I've said this, that I think a company like Tesla, which surprised us that it didn't score well in our model. Remember, we are a rules-based methodology relying on seven fundamental factors that we score. We have a, a proprietary weighting system for how we score them, and it kicks out the score, and the 250 worst scores get kicked out or X'd out, and the remaining 250 companies are left in the portfolio. Tesla just came in below the midline for its score, and as a result, it didn't make the grade. I was surprised. Our model is going to, as it does every quarter, reevaluates. And I would suspect that, that if you wanted a little teaser, my, this is pure conjecture, but I would suspect that a company like Tesla, which got eliminated primarily because it decelerated its growth rate. I think Elon Musk was aware of that. And this is why just yesterday or over the weekend, they announced how many cars they, they sold for just one month. Um, I think he's starting to indicate to the market himself, there's your teaser, if you will, that they produced more cars in one month. And I think in an, in an environment where a lot of folks believe they're a company that's going to get severely impacted by the supply chain challenges that are going on in the marketplace because of their reliance on semiconductor chips. I think he's telling everybody, we figured that out. We're smarter than everyone. We're not going to get disrupted any longer. And so there's your teaser. I want to talk about your model in just a, uh, for just a bit now. I, I know you have a rules-based methodology, but when a stock like Tesla continues to grow in terms of its uh, valuations and its price, do you think to yourself, maybe maybe we should reevaluate some, some aspects of this model or maybe we can make an exception for the stock? Maybe Tesla has scored low, poorly, um, using the metrics on this model, but if the stock continues to perform because of sentiment, because of hype or whatever reason, would you make an exception is my question? Yeah, I mean, I wish I was that smart, David. I, I don't <laughs> think I am. Probably your viewers mostly think about think that about me already, but I would tell you that the, the reality is human beings who are in the asset manager business, who are stock pickers or security pickers, if you want to be more broader, uh, the, those who are successful at at making a good decision about when to own, when to sell, and when to buy is a rare breed. It's a very select few that are good at that. And I learned after a long career of being in the stock picking business that it's really hard to do that well and do it consistently. So what did, what did that learning translate into? X out, a rules-based methodology where all of the work that we did, all of the brain science went into the preparation of that rule. And once the rule was put in place, I will never override it because I learned a very valuable lesson that it's really hard to beat the market 
over time. So making that exception decision would be one of those decisions that I'm sure if I made the exception, it would be wrong at the wrong time and hurt our performance. And I think okay. that's why we've done so much better than the S&P. Yeah, I noticed you don't have a lot of uh, brick and mortar stores in your holdings. So that partly explains, well, it is explained by your thesis just now. All right, well, uh, we'll talk more about uh, how you pick the laggards next time uh, after you rebalance your portfolio. We've talked about this a lot. So I wanna see how your portfolio changes again. And uh, we'll talk about that next time and uh, discuss why you think those new X out companies are losers in your mind. So for now, and let me have, just say one yeah. last point to you. This is not about day to day, week to week, month to month, or quarter to quarter. This is about long term secular decline. So we might make rebalancing decisions like a Tesla, where one quarter they come out and then another quarter they go back in. Really, the more meaningful um, illustration is again, if you put that list of the top 10 names from 10 years ago, I bet you a lot of people will be like, wow, I can't believe those were the top 10 companies of the S&P 10 years ago. Only two of them are left today. I mean, isn't that fascinating? So I think that's what this is really about. So technological disruptions here to stay. It's the most important forward-facing risk we all have to deal with. Let's see what will happen next quarter. But I think much more interesting will be what, what's going to happen 10 years from now. All right, excellent. And finally, you are rated five stars by the CFRA. Tell us about that. What's that rating based on? Yeah, so they're a, a research firm, a very well-respected research firm in the ETF space that uh, evaluates all ETFs, and um, they are, uh, they have only recently, just last week, came out with a report giving five stars. I'm not sure exactly what the metrics are that gives one ETF five stars and another ETF one star. In our case, they believe, uh, as they can tell from the statistics, right, that our portfolio has requisite diversification. And as illustrated, even though in a short period of time, only two years, we're just about two years old, uh, it, it has materially outperformed an index like the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that performance, we have received five stars. Yeah. And I'm noticing on your fact sheet here, since inception, the X out index was up 33%, while the S&P 500 was up 26.7%. So performance by quite a, quite a bit of a margin. Now, congratulations once again, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you after your rebalancing quarter three. Thank you. Great. Thanks, David. Great to be here. Great to have you as always. And thank you for watching Kitco News. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm David Lin. Hello, I'm Larry Drummond, the executive director of the IPMI. I want to take this opportunity to introduce you to the IPMI's upcoming 45th annual conference a hybrid experience. Our sessions will be held on October 7th, 8th, and 9th. During our conference, we will bring industry leaders, experts, and stakeholders from across the globe together in a new way to connect you to the world of precious metals. As the COVID-19 pandemic and variant has continued to affect health, global travel, and business gatherings, we realize the need to offer our members both an in-person and virtual option. We also know that now, more than ever, connecting makes the world of difference. Let me tell you a little bit about our virtual conference. IPMI will be using state-of-the-art technology through the vFairs platform to create a virtual conference space that will be both easy to use and accessible for everyone. 
As you enter the lobby, you will then go into the auditorium where we are going to have seven technical sessions over the course of three days with a live chat in each session. A listing of these technical sessions can be viewed below and can also be assessed on the IPMI website and registration page. During this most extraordinary time, our virtual option will afford all industry participants the ability to showcase their services and new technologies in an exciting, innovative, and virtually interactive way. The exhibit hall will be where you will find virtual trade show booths that will feature videos, company presentation, and live chat sessions. You'll have the flexibility to set up your trade show booth in many different ways and will also be able to set up private chats and meetings with attendees. In the media center, you will find the interview studio produced by Kitco Media, where you can view interviews of key industry players covering a wide range of precious metal related topics. The lounge is the place to connect. As you know, networking is a key part of the IPMI conferences. Even though we can't be together in person in 2021, attendees will have the ability to set up private networking meetings with customers, service providers, and other industry participants through the lounge portal. I urge you all to take part in this new way to connect virtually. Please visit our website at www.ipmi.org to register now. See you there in person and virtually.